This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, there were so many private detectives back in the golden age of radio, and they were all touted to be the best, the ones criminals would fear the most, and on and on the adjectives would go. Well, how about the detective we begin our show with tonight? Richard Diamond, private detective. Created by Blake Edwards, it turned on the air from 1949 to 1953. Dick Powell starred in the original radio series, as a wise-cracking former police officer turned private detective. Episodes typically open with a client visiting or calling cash-strapped Diamond's office and agreeing to his fee of $100 a day plus expenses, or Diamond taking on a case at the behest of his friend and former partner, uh, Lieutenant Walter Levinson. Now, Diamond often suffers blows to the head in his sleuthing pursuits. Most episodes end with Diamond at the piano, singing a standard popular song or show tune from Powell's repertoire to his girlfriend, Helen Asher, in her penthouse at 975 Park Avenue. Many of the shows were either written or directed by Edwards. Its theme, Leave It to Love, was whistled by Powell at the beginning of each episode. So get set to hear that whistling begin as we begin the episode, The Stolen Purse. Dick Powell, transcribed as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. My name's Diamond, and like a lot of working people, at five o'clock in the afternoon, I get pretty anxious for six o'clock to roll around, especially if I haven't had a client for the last three days. But even if I don't expect anyone to drop in before six, I can't take a chance, so I stare out of my office window on 53rd Street just to kill time. I see the night starting to bustle in on the Broadway bright lights, and I wonder just how many prospective clients are out in the city. Who's getting in trouble? What kind of trouble? And will they come to Richard Diamond for guidance? Now, take the two hard-looking thugs in a downtown hotel room as they watch a pretty blonde hurriedly get into a flashy mink coat. They're going to need plenty of guidance. Where you going, Dottie? I got an appointment. Uh, don't you think you ought to stick around just in case the contact comes in? If it ain't here by now, it won't be until tomorrow. Stop looking like a couple of anxious bloodhounds. Relax. Sure, Dottie, sure. Uh, but you really cannot blame us for being a little disquieted. <laughs> don't she look classy, Al? Hey, 
Who are you going to roll tonight, doll face? Your grandmother. Ain't she out of Alcatraz yet? Hey, I, I don't like no cracks about my family. Well, what are you going to do, Stan? People stop by the zoo every day. Now, please, no legomachy. Yeah, no Yeah. You keep running off at the mouth like that, baby, and you'll be spitting out all your teeth. Yeah, well, when you kick off, Stan, don't try to sell your body to science. I'll never get both heads in that bottle. Oh, you love... Please. Well, I'm, 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 I'm going to hit... Please. Please. Leave us, Dottie. And Stanley, you shut your big mouth before I shove my foot in it. Go on, Dottie. I think you had better make a hurried percolation. What? Beat it. Oh, Al, why didn't you let me mess her up a little? She's always acting like she's got a family background. I do not know whether her family had anything to do with it, but it is a very nice background to gaze at. Now shut your ugly face and let us start tailing her. Tailing her? What for? I think she is up to something. Yeah, well, sure she is, but I don't want to get booked as a peeping Tom. <laughs> Stan, you are a melon head. I think she is going to try a cross. Florida has not never been late with the numbers before. You think she's going to pick up the bundle and skip? No. I just want to see what she does with her evenings. Oh, well, I can tell you that. Stanley, please, you arouse my irascibility. Oh, I'm sorry, Aloysius. <laughs> Evening, Glenda. Oh, hello, Horace. Times. You look tired. Hard day at the office? I stayed home. My wife's well. Mm. Here's the Times. Yeah, thanks. Good night, Glenda. Good night. Papers? Evening papers? You got a light edition? Why, yes, right here, dearie. You got it? Yeah, in the purse. Put it down on the counter and look through the paper. Okay. Paper? Evening paper? What do you want me to do with the purse? Keep it till I meet you at the train. Sure, honey. It's good to be working again, ain't it, Dottie? I gotta go. They usually got a tail on me. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Relax. We're in the chips. Paper! Evening paper! Uh, paper, sir? No, but I will take that purse. Purse? Oh, why, that nice young lady must have left it on the counter when she looked at the paper. Please, just extend your agent index and shove it over here. Why, I can't do that. He belongs to that young lady. Oh, look, it would make me very unhappy to have to shove all those nice old wrinkles around, but I am in need to possess one patent letter handbag. Now, if you will kindly move it in my approximate latitude, you old bat, we can dispense with all... Why, you poor excuse for a lowbrow gun if... Madam. For two cents, I'd wrap a lead sap across your flat head. Well, hello, Glenda. Hello. How's, uh, how's business? Oh, Officer Quine. Aren't you on a little late? <laughs> yes, uh, I've been changed to the six o'clock beat. Well, good evening, sir. Uh, yeah, lovely. Uh, good evening, officer. Say, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Uh, hardly. I reside in Flatbush. Well, thank you, mother. I do not see anything I want. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> he doesn't see anything he wants. What does he think you're running? At a drugstore there? <laughs> Hey, Al, I saw a cop. I am proud of you, Stanley. Huh? Now let us hurry around this corner. What, you think Dot and the old dame are cooking up something together? Stop here so we can watch the old dame. Stanley, to put it in your words, yeah, I think they are cooking up something. Oh, you figure she slipped the old girl the numbers? Your perception astounds even my to. Hey, observe. Oh, yeah. Your grandma is taking off and leaving the cop behind to watch the papers. Yeah, she's going in that building. She has got the purse. Stanley, stay yeah. here and await my return. Okay, but uh, my feet are beginning to hurt. 
Go in a drugstore, purchase some Blue Jays. I shall be right back with the purse. Mr. Diamond. Well, hello, Glenda. Come in, pull up a rocking chair. Well, that's the way it begins. Sometimes when you wait around until the last minute, you get a customer. I wasn't too happy about this one because I knew she didn't have enough money to hire a tramp to spot cigarette butts. I haven't got much time. I've got Officer Quine watching my paper stand. Officer Quine? You should be happy you aren't selling fruit. He's already got his thumbprint and every apple in Yonkers. Mr. Diamond, I found this purse. Ah, uh, found it, Glenda? Oh, you know me, Mr. Diamond. I'm going straight now. I remember a snake that said that once. He broke his back. Honest, I haven't been doing that kind of business since I got out. Well, what can I do for you, Glenda? I'm broke. Oh, it's not a touch. I want you to find the owner of this purse and return it. Why don't you give it to Officer Quine? Well, there's no money in it. And with my record, he'd sure run me in for purse snatching. No money, huh? Oh, no. No, I didn't touch a thing. Just uh, took a peek, maybe. Uh, oh, yes. A young girl left it on my counter. If you find her, you can ask her. I didn't touch a thing. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Oh, thank you, Mr. Diamond. Goodbye. Keep your nose clean. Oh, I will. She'd keep her nose clean, all right. And a glass of gin. I'd known old Glenda ever since she started working bunco rackets and got put away for two to five. I was sure she'd lifted the dough from the purse, but I opened it and went through it anyway. I was just kicking myself for telling her I'd try to dig up its owner when the door opened and an ugly-looking mug wearing alligator spats walked up to my desk. You should be ashamed looking in someone else's place. It's a bad habit, like not knocking on doors. Oh, it said on the door to come in. How long did you have to wait before someone came by to read it to you? May I please have the place? Oh, is it yours? Yes. Well, I didn't notice the wedges. Give up high heels? You are a very poor comic. Now, may I have the purse, or must I make you bleed? Oh, oh, it's like that. Well, sure, here it is. Thank you. <gasps> and something to go with it. <gasps> I caught him with one that made my arm feel good clear up to my shoulder. His eyes rolled back, and he went down faster than the celluloid collar on the flagpole. I looked at the black purse and started getting that lousy feeling again. I'd gotten into something, and it was beginning to smell already. So I called the 5th Precinct Police Station and an old friend, Lieutenant Levinson. Homicide, Sergeant Otis. Hello, Otis. Let me talk to the lieutenant. Is this Diamond? No, it's platoon number three of the Brownies, 300 strong. Now let me talk to the lieutenant. Hey, what are you going to do with all those tired jokes and you run out? Give them away to idiots. You want to start a collection? Uh, lieutenant Levinson. Hello, Walt. Diamond. Oh, wait a minute. Otis! Otis! Yeah, Where'd you put the bicarbonate? Oh, uh, hold it a minute, Rick. Get me some water, Otis. Go ahead, Rick. I can stand it for a second. If you didn't get so excited, you wouldn't have to take that stuff. Here you are, Lieutenant. Never need this stuff until you call. Now, who's dead? Uh, nobody, but there's a guy in my office lying on the floor. He's dead. He's got to be. No, he isn't, Walt. I just belted him in the mouth when he tried to get rough. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's trying to wake up. Groan for the nice policeman. Uh, oh. You hear him, Walt? Okay, so some guy got tired and went to sleep on your floor. What do you want me for? Uh, hold it a second, Walt. He's getting a little too active. What did you do? Kissed him goodnight. What did you do that for? Well, I've seen him somewhere. I think he's wanted. Oh, well, hang on to him. I'll send the wagon down. 
The door will be open. I'll fix it so he doesn't get away. Wait a minute, Rick. Where are you going? Well, about five minutes ago, an old dame hands me a black patent leather purse and asks me to find the owner. Right afterwards, this cultured gorilla wanders in and says the purse belongs to him. Oh, what's in it? Nothing much. Compact, book of matches, and a handkerchief. Mmm, smells nice. No money? No. Oh, uh, I gotta stop by Helen Ashes for a minute, and then I'm gonna find out what makes this purse so valuable. Say hello to Helen for me. Sure thing. Bye, Walt. Be a good boy. Goodbye. I got a rope out of my desk that I hung my socks on when I had time to wash them and tied the sleeping Garneth to a chair. I didn't know much about pocketbooks, but I knew someone who did. So I headed for 975 Park Avenue and the beautiful redhead named Helen Asher. Oh, good evening, Mr. Diamond. Good evening, Francis. Is Miss Asher in? Yes, sir. She's in the study. Shall I announce you? No, just dig up something that'll get me back on my feet. I'll let myself in. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Diamond. Yes, Francis? If you'll pardon me for saying so, sir, but I just love the way you talk. Well, thank you, Francis. Eaton, 98. Majored in Sloyd. Oh, oh my goodness, you're pulling my leg again. Anyone home? Rick, you got here. Hi. Hi. Well... Since when did you start carrying a purse? Like it? Matches my complexion. Oh, you idiot. Take a look. Whose is it? Mm, Got to find out. It's worth something. One guy already tried to get it the hard way. Cigarette? Oh, thanks. It's got some initials on it. D.K. There's nothing valuable in it. I know. That's what I can't understand. Got a match? Here's some in the purse. Thanks. Here. Hmm. Adams Hotel, flop house with sheets. Compact's never been used. My darling. Well, thanks. The perfume and the handkerchief, silly. It's my darling. Ah, don't look so hurt. So are you. Well, come here. (laughs) Here's your drink, Mr. Dab. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's all right, Francis. I was just trying to convince your boss we should take in the wrestling matches. Why, Francis, you're blushing. Oh, pardon me. Miss Asher's residence. Yes, sir. One moment, sir. It's for you, Mr. Dam. Oh, thank you, Francis. I'll see if the dinner is ready, Miss Helen. Hello? You get right down here. What? Lieutenant Levinson. Get down here to the station, Diamond. You're in trouble. Diamond? Wait a minute. Slow down. Not dead, huh? My stomach starts getting back to normal, and you have to knock some guy off. Knock some guy off? I don't know why I should waste time with explanations. I ought to just send Otis over there with the wagon, but I like your girlfriend too much. What are you babbling about? I thought you said the guy in your office was still kicking. What? Yeah, somebody made a punch board out of his chest, and I like you for a suspect. Now get down here. Wait a minute, Walt. Somebody shot him? Yeah. If that wasn't what killed him, he died of fright when he saw the bullets coming. Now, I'm not talking anymore till you get here. Make it ten minutes, or I'll have a warrant out for you. Oh, swell. Rick, what's the matter? Oh, that crazy Walt Levinson's got me in line for a murder rap. I gotta go down and square myself. Murder? Rick! Yeah? I'll see you later, baby. But, Rick... I can't wait. I'll get back as soon as I can. If we were married, this wouldn't happen. Rick, you forgot the purse! Francis! Francis! Yes, Miss Asher? Francis, Mr. Diamond forgot this purse. See if you can catch him. He's gone to Lieutenant Levinson's police station. Yes, Miss Asher, my best. Rick just has got to stop this foolishness. He... Oh, how did you get in here? Who are you? I come in a back way, lady. Uh, where's the shaman? You get out of here. No, 
just just relax, baby. One yell out of you and you get hurt pretty bad. What? Uh, where's the shamus? He went down to the police station. Okay. Where's the purse? I saw him bring it in. Uh, I don't know. Oh, come on, baby. Or do I shake it out of you? You, you stay away from me. You... Hood. Hood? Where's the purse? I told you I don't know. No, stay away. Okay. But you're making it tough on yourself. Stay away. You stay away from me. Tucked underneath her arm, she walks the bloody tower with the red tucked underneath her arm at the midnight hour. Pardon me, sir. Uh, yes, madam? I believe you have my purse. Oh, I beg your pardon, but this purse is the property of Mr. Diamond, private detective. Yes, I know. I gave it to him to hold for me. Well... I'm very sorry, madam, but you'll have to claim it from Mr. Diamond himself. Oh, yeah? Help! Police! Oh, Measure! Madam! Help! This man is trying to steal my purse. Uh, madam, uh, let go of my coat. This guy giving you trouble, mother. He's trying to steal my purse. Help! Oh, yes, huh? Looks just the type. This'll learn you, Romeo. Oh, my. <gasps> Gonna know, lady, will you? Come on, get up and fight it. Hey, lady! Lady! How do you like that? Didn't even say thanks. I don't care what you say. You told me you had a guy in your office. When my men got there, they found him tied in the chair with three bullet holes in his chest. He was making noises when I left. Some guys do that when they get shot. Oh, stop being an idiot. You know I didn't kill him. Yeah, I know it, but what do I tell the commissioner? That I let you go because you're a friend of mine? Used to be on the force? No, but you don't have to act like I rubbed out the whole west side. Well, I'm mad. I want to retire in five years, and I want to do it with a healthy stomach. Yeah? Lieutenant, Murphy's got some guy out here he picked up for purse snatching. This is a friend of Diamond's and wants to see him. Send him in. This can't get any screwer than it is already. I got a purse snatcher who says he knows you. Purse snatcher? Francis. Yes, Mr. Diamond. I, I don't feel so well. That's all, Otis. Isn't he your girlfriend's butler? Yeah. What happened, Francis? Well, sir, I was bringing that purse down to you. That's right. I left it at Helen's. Yes, sir. Well, a little old lady approached me on the street and... Claimed it belonged to her. What did she look like? She had white hair, and she was wearing an old shawl. I think she'd been drinking gin, sir. Cheap gin. Glenda. Glenda Bergen? Is she the one who gave you the purse? Yeah. And then what happened, Francis? When I wouldn't give her the purse, she started yelling and called me a masher. And some enormous gentleman arrived and clouted me in the jaw. Oh, it was disgusting, sir. And the old lady got the purse? Yes, sir. She ran off, and the enormous gentleman sat on my chest until an officer came and carted me off to this place. Was Miss Helen all right when you left her? Why, yes, sir. You don't think... I don't know. But if they knew I had the purse and spotted me going into Helen... Here, Rick, use his phone. Thanks. Don't you see, Walt, this whole thing has something to do with that purse. Purse, purse. I've still got a stiff on my hands. Oh, my goodness. Yes? Hello, honey. You all right? Oh. What's the matter? Hi. Please come home. What happened? A man broke into the house looking for that old purse. I told him I didn't know where it was, and he started slapping me. He did, huh? Yes, and I need comforting. Well, 
Honey, I've still got something to do. Lock all the doors until Francis gets back, and I'll be over as soon as I can. All right. Did you get the purse? Francis will tell you all about it. Bye, baby. Bye. Rick, some louse shoved Helen around. Francis, get over there and take care of her. It's all right if he goes, isn't it, Walt? I guess so. Otis, I'm releasing the guy that was picked up for purse snatching. And don't say, yeah, Lieutenant. Okay, Rick. Oh, thank you, sir. Step on it, Francis. Miss Asher needs someone to take care of her. Yes, sir. Walt, give me two hours to find out what this is all about. You going after Glenda? Yeah. She's tied up with this killing. I'd better send some of the boys along. Give me two hours alone. I want to find the guy who shoved Helen around. Okay, Rick. Two hours and I put in a general alarm for you and the old dame. You know where she lives? I got a shack over near the East River. Thanks, Walt. Otis, let Diamond go and bring me a tablespoon and some water. And Otis, shut up. I grabbed a cab and 20 minutes later I was standing at the edge of the East River. The fog was rolling in, and pretty soon it'd be so thick you could put it in bales. Below me, next to the water, was a line of weather-beaten shacks, and one of them belonged to old Glenda. You want something, Mac? Huh? Oh, no, I didn't see you. Uh, does uh, old Glenda live in one of those shacks? Yeah, got one. Got a match? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, keep them. Thanks. Forget it. No, uh, wait a minute. Huh? Let me see those matches. Hmm. I've forgotten all about them. What's the matter? You collect them or something? These I do. Sorry, pal. You'll have to get some others. Okay, sporty. The inside of the shack looked like a hardware store after a good earthquake. Someone had torn it to pieces, and old Glenda had gotten the same treatment. She was lying on the wooden floor, staring up at me. She couldn't close her eyes because a rope around her neck was squeezing them open. Is she dead? Huh? I followed you down. Well, hooray for you. The next time you sneak up on somebody, you'll probably end up with a skull fracture. Just wanted to see what was going on. Is she dead? Unless she can breathe through her feet. She's been strangled. Gonna call the cops? No, no. I thought I'd rub her wrists for a while. Now, here's a buck. Call Lieutenant Levinson at the 5th Precinct and tell him what's happened. Sure. Got a nickel? Yeah, here. And tell him I've gone over to the Adams Hotel on 28th Street. My name's Diamond. Good for you. Now step on it. He left in a hurry, and I reached in my pocket and took another look at the book of matches I'd gotten from the black handbag. They were from the Adams Hotel on 28th Street, so I went over there fast. The sleepy night clerk showed me the register, and I found what I was looking for. I remembered the initials on the handbag were D.K. A Dorothy King was registered in room 306. I went upstairs. Yeah? I got a message for you. Slip it under the door. I'm not that skinny. What is it? It's from Glenda. Oh, wait a minute. All right, the door's open. All right, now shut it and come on in. Huh? Oh, what a lovely gun. Glad you like it. What do you want? I just left Glenda. She's dead. What? Yeah, strangled. How'd you find me? Matches in your purse. They were from this hotel. I checked the initials on the bag with the register. D.K., Dorothy King, room 306. Holmes would call it elementary. You must be the shamus Brenda gave the bag to earlier this evening. That's right. How did you know? Well, she called me. she tell you she got it back? I feel a quiet streak coming on. I usually like women who don't talk much, but right now you'd better start talking as fast as you can. Funny thing, this gun I got makes me lazy. Now, get out of here. Baby, baby, I got a big fat surprise for you. Yeah? Yeah. 
My gun makes bigger holes than yours. Huh? What do you think I'm doing with my right hand, keeping it warm? Oh, don't give me that. You ain't got nothing but a big finger in that pocket. Oh! Surprise. Next time I make it count. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sure. Drop it. That's better. Kick it over here. All right. Please, I didn't kill Glenda. Where's the purse? I ain't got it on us. Well, who has? Now, look, baby, I'm in a bad mood. Honest, I don't know. That's right. She don't, mister. Stan! Well, you certainly know some pretty ugly company, Dottie. I don't know if I like that. You don't? Maybe I can word it a little different. Stan, he's a private cop. He come up here and tried to shove me around. Well, you should have done it, Shamus. Would have saved me the trouble. What do you mean, huh? Well, you're no good cheap double-crosser. Al and me saw you slip the bag to that old dame, and Al got killed trying to get her from the Shamus. I didn't kill Al. No, the old dame did it. I went up to the office and found him dying. He told me she'd done it. What are you going to do? Well, the organization don't like being crossed. I got the purse from the old dame and paid her off for killing poor old Al. Now I got to pay you off. I got a surprise for you, too, Stanley. Yeah. You try anything, you'll have more holes in you than a fishnet. He's got a gun in his pocket. Well, look at his pocket, wise guy. Oh, gee, I wish Al was here. He'd know what to do. Go on, shoot him. Shoot him. Stan's got it coming. Looks like it's a tie. No sense in both of us getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, you you plug me and I'll nail you before I go down. Don't listen to him. I think he's got a point. What are you going to do? That's up to him. Well, as Al would say, a hurried departure is in order. I'll take care of you later, Doc. Uh, goodbye, all. Yeah, it's pretty good. Al would like that. Don't let him get away. Stop him. You stop him. All right, baby. Where is he going with that purse? If I tell you, will you give me a chance to get out of town? I can't do anything about that. When I leave, you're on your own. Technically, you haven't done anything the law could hold you for. I haven't? No. But that won't stop me from pushing you around. Now, let's have the story. If Stan hasn't been there already, he's headed for a locker in the subway station at 34th Street. What's in the locker? $100,000 in counterfeit bills. Oh. Oh, baby. Counterfeit. You have been naughty. Now, Papa, we'll have to keep you on ice for the cops. Get in the closet. Please, give me a break. Sorry, honey. Get in. Ouch! You're hurting me! I went down to the night clerk and told him to tell Lieutenant Levinson when he got there about the blonde in the closet of room 306. The subway wasn't far, but Stanley had a head start and he was in a hurry. I ran the rest of the way. I went down the steps. A train was just pulling out when I spotted him. He'd just taken a bundle out of one of the lockers, and as he turned to go, I walked up behind him. Hello, Stanley. What? What you got in the box? The Shamus. Here, you take it. Oh. He tossed the package in my face and started running for the exit. But a crowd of people blocked his way, and when he saw me come up with my gun, he changed his mind. He turned and vaulted the turnstile, and I ducked behind the row of lockers. He had a gun, too. I tried to get a clear shot at him, but there were too many people. And then the frightened little guy did a stupid thing. He jumped down on the tracks and started running up the tunnel. Oh, look at that fool man. He's jumped down on the tracks. Stanley, come back here. You can't get anywhere that way. You said it, Mac. He's running uptown on the downtown side. Here's a corny line. Stop or I'll shoot. You won't get me. Stan. Look out, there's a train coming. Look out. Oh, Mr. Diamond, come in. Hello, Francis. Is Miss Asher all right? She's better, sir. 
She's lying down in the study. How's the jaw? Oh, I feel better, sir. This ice bag is helping the swelling. I'll be in the pantry if you need me, sir. I'll try not to. Hi. Hi. Well, poor little baby. Yes. Poor little baby. You're lucky he didn't mark you out. Oh, I'll get it. Francis is nursing his face. Asher residence. Let me talk to Diamond if he's there. He is. Rick? Mm-hmm. Now you listen to me. I've been chasing your conquests all over town. I end up down in the subway station and notice gets stuck in the turnstile. Don't you think it'd be nice to let the police department in on something once in a while? Oh, sure, sure. Right now I'm at 975 Park Avenue nursing a beautiful redhead back to health. Oh, did you find the blonde in the closet? Yeah, I got the whole story from her. You want to hear it? I guessed most of it. She was fencing for a counterfeit ring and she tried to cross them. The key to the locker was in that purse. Yeah, in the compact under the pancake makeup. She and old Glenda used to do a duet together before they both got sent up. When the blonde got out, she started working for a counterfeit mob. They'd stashed the dough in different subway lockers around town and used her to make the contacts. So she figured she could use the hundred thousand. Well, nothing like being in business for yourself. She was afraid to pick it up herself, so Ricky. she stuck the purse to Glenda like she'd just forgotten it. Ricky. Yes, dear. Are you listening to me? I just stopped. Bye, Walt. What? Now wait a what is it, baby? I want some sympathy. Sure, sure. What would you like, lover? Sing something. Oh, come on, baby. We can do without that. No, I want you to. I'm sick, and then blood should be pampered. Oh, let me rub your head or something. Afterwards. I want you to sing. Oh, but it's late, baby. Well, then sing softly. Sing me to sleep. Oh, honey. I'll get mad, and you'll have to buy me a present. Ah, Okay. Lullaby and good night with roses be That's wonderful. With lilies be Shut up! I'm trying to sleep. Well, what is that? Oh, it's that grouchy new neighbor. Oh, it is, huh? Hey, you want something, bud? Yeah, shut your big vessel! Oh, is that right? Out of your face with sunshine. Oh, no! Put on a great big smile. Make up your eyes with laughter. Please, Rick. Oh, okay. That guy gets shell-shocked if he fried potatoes. Rick. What is it, baby? Come here. Oh. You do need pampering. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Betty Lou Gerson, Jane Morgan, Jack Crucian, I Averback, Herb Butterfield, and Wally Mayer. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, next on Theater of the Mind.
Time now for the guy with the gorgeous Irish tenor, Dennis Day. Palmolive Soap and Colgate Dental Cream. Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. <laughs> the Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benadera, Dink Trout, George Dooning in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing Love Somebody Love somebody, yes I do Love somebody, yes I do Love somebody, yes I do Love somebody, but I won't say who I get feeling warm and gay When she sends her smile my way I would marry her today but who she is, I will not say. I love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, but I won't say who. Don't know why she acts so shy. Really, I'm a harmless guy. Hope she doesn't pass me by. If she did, I'd die. I know I'd die. Somebody, yes, I do. Love somebody, yes, I do. Love somebody, yes, I do. Love somebody, but I won't. I won't say who. Tonight, excitement mounts at fever pitch in the little town of Weaverville, for tomorrow is the traditional football game between Weaverville High and their bitter and hated rivals, Middletown Prep. Needless to say, every loyal Weaverville alumnus is praying for his team to win. For when one spends four years at a school, one becomes enormously attached to it. And our young hero Dennis Day's feelings go even deeper than that, having been there for seven years. We find him now in the living room of the Anderson boarding house where he's been telling his girlfriend, Mildred, of his past days of glory on the gridiron. Of course, I don't say I was the best water boy we ever had, Mildred. Oh, no? No. Matter of fact, they fired me after the first day. I guess it was because I took so long to bring them the water. You couldn't run fast enough? Oh, it wasn't that. I used to take it out a cup at a time. <laughs> the regular bucket was too heavy for me. Well, maybe you weren't so strong, but I'll bet you were awfully cute when you were in high school. Oh, sure. Naturally. <laughs> well, I probably wouldn't have paid any attention to you if I'd known you I thought I was madly in love with my French teacher Did you ever have a crush on one of your teachers? Nah, 
<laughs> well, that's funny. I thought every kid got a crush on one of his teachers at school. Oh, not me. I was too mature. Besides, all my teachers were men. <laughs> yes, that might have had something to do with it. Gee, I wonder if my French teacher still remembers me. I'll bet mine remembers me. I took French for two years, and when I got finished, all I could say was C.C. <laughs> game like this certainly brings back memories, doesn't it? Yeah. Gosh, I sure hope we win it. I've never seen the town as excited about the game as they are this year. I know. That's all anyone talks about. Even Mother and Daddy can't think of anything but beating... Oh, hi, Daddy. Rock, rock, rock. Just boom, bop. Hit him in the belly with a trolley car. <laughs> we will, Daddy. Don't worry. Oh, you bet we will. Say, Poopsie and I are going down to the school to see the team off for Middletown. You kids care to join us? Oh, sure. I hear the coach is an old friend of yours, Mr. Anderson. Yes. Old Rocky was coaching the football team when I went to Weaverville. He was? Oh, that was football in those days. No passes and trick plays. It was bone against bone, muscle against muscle. Skulls cracked like celluloid. Why, I was lucky if I lasted through the first quarter. You mean you played on the team? No, just watching. I had a weak stomach. <laughs> well, oh. I'm ready to leave, Herbert. Why, Mother, you're wearing your old Weaverville sweater with a W on it. Yes, and it still looks as good as the day I bought it. Except that the W seems to have shrunk a little. Well, I, I doubt it, Poopsie. The background's just gotten bigger, that's all. <laughs> well, maybe... After all, it was 28 years ago that I first wore this sweater. No, 28 years ago. Gosh, it doesn't seem that long, does it? Well, not to me, naturally. I'm only 10 years older. <laughs> well, uh, come on, everyone, let's go. Oh, I'm so excited. Do you really think we'll beat Middletown this year, Mrs. Anderson? Well, of course we will. I've even bet $5 on it. $5? Oh, Poopsie, you shouldn't have. You know how badly I need new shoes. I could have taken that $5 and added it to the $5 I have under my handkerchiefs in the bottom drawer of the... Oh, now I've told you where it's hidden. Don't be silly. What $5 do you think I bet? Quite a crowd down to see the boys off, huh, Dennis? Uh, where did Poopsie and Mildred disappear to? Oh, they're over at the bus talking to some of the boys on the team. Gosh, those football players sure are big guys, aren't they, though? Yes, I'm certainly glad I'm not that vulgar, muscular type of man. Yeah, me too. I like my bones where I can see them. <laughs> now, just look at the fuss Mildred and Poopsie are making over them. Impressed by a few biceps. Yeah, women are such primitive creatures. Certainly. What good are muscles, anyway? All they do is put a strain on your skin. <laughs> muscles, blah. And also fat. And likewise, poo. Darn right. And I'd say the same thing if I had some. <laughs> oh, there's the coat. Hey, Rocky. Gosh, Mr. Anderson, I wonder why he's looking so sad. Hello, Harvey. Hi, Rocky. Uh, you remember this young fella, don't you? Huh? I used to be the water boy. Yeah, well, we've had so many water boys, you know. Oh, I was the one you said carried less water in his bucket than on his brain. <laughs> oh, Dennis Day! Glad to see you again, Day. Say, is, is anything wrong, Rocky? You seem kind of upset. Upset? I'm half crazy. Didn't you hear what happened? I just found out ten minutes ago that a spy from Middletown sneaked into our secret practice and stole every one of our plays. 
What? Yes, they've got all our plays, and it's now too late to line up any new ones. We'll be slaughtered. Oh, my gosh, the rat. You said it. Of all the dirty, low-down, sneaking, unethical tricks to pull. But where were you at the time, Rocky? In Middletown on a roof across from their field with my telescope. <laughs> Did you spot any of their plays? Not one. They chased me away the minute they saw me. Oh, dear. Oh, there you are, Herbert. I've been... Why, what's the conference? A Middletown spy stole all our plays, Mrs. Anderson. We're sunk. What? It's true, fairy flower. <laughs> but they can't do this to us. Do you realize what's at stake? The glory and honor and pride of Weaverville High and my five bucks. Yeah. Action, that's what we need. We'll send a spy up to Middletown to steal their place. Well, if they caught him, they'd murder him. Skin him alive. I couldn't order anyone to go on a mission like that. I've got two volunteers for you, Herbert and Dennis. Huh? But, Poopsie, you just heard how dangerous it'd be. You might lose me. Herbert, Weaverville High gave you to me. Weaverville High has the right to take you away. <laughs> well, it is our only chance. Now, look, they'll have a secret practice session before the game. All we've got to do is figure a way to get you two guys in. I have it. They can pose as doctors. Doctors? It's perfect. Tell them you're there from the Board of Health to check on the players. I'll go home right now and clean out the medicine chest and throw it all into a little black bag. I'll meet you back here in ten minutes. Well, I guess it's for Weaverville, Rocky. If they get me, see that I'm buried back in the chemistry lab, will you, old man? <laughs> That's where I spent my happiest hours in school. You're a brave man, huh? How about you, Dennis? Any last requests? Yeah, bury me in the principal's office. Many's the time I wished I were dead there. <laughs> okay, fellas. I, I don't have to tell you what this means to the old school. <laughs> oh, I'd die for dear old Weaverville, Rocky. You know that. Shall we all sing our alma mater together for what may be the last time? Yeah, let's. Very well. Bow your heads, gentlemen, and face the east. Oh, Weaverville, oh, Weaverville, we loved you then, we love thee still. Thy hallowed walls, thy color serene, hail to magenta and aquamarine. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Oh, me too. If we can only make these Middletown coaches think that we're really doctors. 
Well, in case he wants proof, I brought along a pack of camels. Well, I hope it's enough. <laughs> look, look, there he is coming toward us. On your toes now, Dennis. Sorry, gents, but this is a secret practice. Can't allow anybody on the field doing... Oh, just a second, my good man. We happen to be from the Board of Health. I'm Dr. Cronkite, and this is my colleague, Dr. Belchmer. <laughs> from the Board of Health? Uh, yes, we're investigating football. A very unsanitary game from what we hear. Most unsanitary. Unsanitary? That's ridiculous. You can't argue with facts, Coach. A recent survey of the Harvard football team of 1839 showed that every one of those players are dead at the present time. <laughs> every one. Well, of course they're dead. And not only that, but at the end, they all showed exactly the same symptoms. Yes, extreme old age. <laughs> oh, now look here. Now, I'm sure that you all agree there must be something basically wrong with a sport that takes fine young boys and turns them into old men within 70 years. <laughs> This threat to public health cannot go unchallenged. We've got to find out what makes this game so unsanitary. Now, uh, tell me, how many men are there on each side? Eleven, but... Please, don't interrupt. How many footballs are used in the game? One. What? Twenty-two men all using the same football? Shocking. It's a disgrace. No wonder football teams go around with their eyeballs twitching, their hands shaking, their backfields in motion. (laughs) Well, gosh, Doc, maybe you got something. I never thought about it before. Of course. Here, give one of these pills to every man on your team immediately. Yeah, well, what are they? Uh, They're new secret vitamin pills. Each pill contains as much nourishment as three dozen eggs, five quarts of milk, four T-bone steaks, and an order of chopped liver with schmaltz. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, sure, Doc, whatever you say. Thanks a lot. Dennis, what did you do that for? Look, he is giving the team the pills. Oh, they were only some aspirin tablets I found in the bag. But even so, we... Well, we had to get rid of them, didn't we? We want to write down those plays. Anyway, it made them less suspicious of us. Well, maybe. Say, that is a pretty nifty football team he's got, isn't it? Yeah, I'll say. Hey, look at that play they're running now. That's pretty cute. Well, don't you worry. I'm putting it right into my little black book here. That a boy. Our boys will... Oh, my gosh, Dennis, look. One of the boys just got hurt on that last play. Yeah. Holy smoke, they're bringing them over here. Oh, I know. We're supposed to be doctors. Oh, my gosh, that's right. I wouldn't be in that kid's shoes for anything. We've got to keep up the bluffer. Yeah, here they come. Here's a patient for you, Doc. He was just hurt in the scrimmage. In the scrimmage, huh? Hmm, bad. (laughs) It's bad. That's right near the liver. Nothing, Doc. I, I'm just a little shaken up. Oh, don't be too sure of that, my boy. We better play it safe and take a postmortem. <laughs> a postmortem? Uh, I think maybe the first thing to do is feel his pulse, Doctor. All right, Doctor. We'll work it out together. You find it and I'll feel it. <laughs> On the other hand, why bother? This man's ailment is quite clear. Appendicitis. Hey, but Doc, I had my appendix out last year. Oh, well, what I meant was tonsillitis. I had my tonsils out the year before. Okay, you've had a heart attack. Let's see you get out of that one. Well, how is he, Doc? Oh, he's very bad, Coach. This boy must have complete quiet. I want him to stay right where he is for 48 hours. 48 hours? Well, we got a football game to play in this field at 2 o'clock. Well, in that case, warn the players not to step on him. Complications might arise. <laughs> Come, Dr. Velschmerls. We must be going. Coming, Dr. Cronkite. I'll see you later, Coach. Okay, Mike. Get up, get back in there. Hey, but coach, the doctor Dr. just... Dr. Moy, those guys aren't doctors. They're a couple of spies from Weaverville trying to get a line on our place. What? But they even gave us pills. Nothing but aspirin. I saw the bottle in their bag. I also saw a little book with one of our plays in it. And you're letting them get away with it? Don't be a dope. I tore out the play they had and filled up the book with phony ones. 
Now every time they think they know what's coming, they'll get something else. We'll murder him, Mike. Ah, Coach, you're a genius. That game will be a massacre. Yes, operator. Weaverville 227. Oh, thank you. Hello, Poopsie. This is your lover boy, the Matahari of Weaverville. <laughs> sure, we just delivered a whole notebook full of their plays to Rocky. Yeah, I think your $5 is safe, dear. Tell her to bet some more. Pack the furniture, everything. It's in the bag. Bet all you can get down, Poopsie. It's a cinch. Yeah. No, we're not staying for the game. Someone might get wise to us. We'll be home on the next bus. Huh? Well, you're my big booful baby doll, Smooky Wookie, too. <laughs> Wonderful, boys. Why, Weaverville will run all over Middletown now. Yep, thanks to us. We did a pretty brilliant job, didn't we, Dennis? Brilliant? Oh, shucks, there must be a stronger word than that. Oh, I agree with you. Sure, who needs muscles? We may not have them, but we got brains. Mr. Anderson was so clever about writing down those plays in this book, I didn't even see him do it myself. Me? I didn't write those plays down, you did. No, I didn't. But you must have. Oh, I ought to know. I never left my side for an instant. <laughs> But if you didn't write them, and I didn't write them, who did? Well, let's face the facts. There were only three of us anywhere near the bag. You, me, and the Middletown coach. Now, if it wasn't you and it wasn't me, it was... Oy, what a disgusting face on this fact. Yes. Dennis, do you know what this means? Uh-huh. No muscles, no brains, nothing. <laughs> Will someone please tell me what this is all about? We've been tricked, Mildred. That coach must have gotten wise and written the plays in our book himself. While we were working on an injured player. Meanwhile, Weaverville will get the worst beating in its history. Oh, I feel faint. Take my hand and lead me to the sofa. We'll have a pretty long walk. That was one of the things Mother hopped to bet on the game. Oh, my gosh. Well, something's got to be done. She'll be down any minute to listen to the football scores on the radio. Oh, my soul and former body. <laughs> well, 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 my two brave, wonderful heroes. Hello, Poopsie. Uh... Well, what are we waiting for? Jack Collins is on right now with his sports broadcast. Let's turn him on and get the good news. Oh, we can't hear him now. we got to tune in the Green Hornet. Oh, yeah, yeah, we just must have to hear that. The Green Hornet? Why this sudden interest in the Green Hornet? In the last episode, a stinger was caught in the door and he was turning blue. (laughs) Stop it. I want to hear that score. There. And here's another final score. Mona Barber College, 27, North, Southeast, West, Virginia, 13. <laughs> and here's a late one that just came in. Well, is this amazing. Weaverville High was supposed to beat Middletown by a margin of one touchdown. But the final score, which was just handed to me, reads, Middletown, 13, Weaverville, 110. Gosh. Why, he, he, he must have made a mistake. Ladies and gentlemen, I just made a mistake on the last score. Oh. It should read Middletown 13, Weaverville 112. <laughs> Good heavens. My scouts informed me that the Middletown team acted in a very strange manner. They started off well, but after the game had been underway for a few minutes, they began to stagger all over the field and fall down unaccountably without being touched. The final score again, Middletown 13, Weaverville 112. Oh, happy day. Money, money, money. I'm loaded with it. <laughs> oh, you wonderful boys, you. 
shan't be able to sleep a wink tonight with all this excitement. Excuse me, I'll be right back. Dennis, I can't believe it. Me either. It must be a dream. I thought I could stand the pain. I'd pinch myself. It's no dream, my boy. But what do you suppose happened to the Middletown team? We'll probably never know. I've forgotten my excitement. Uh, where's the little black bag I gave you? It has all the medicine in it, and I want a sleeping pill to calm my nerves. Sleeping pill? A sleeping pill? There weren't any sleeping pills in the bag, Mrs. Anderson. Oh, yes, there were. I had them in an old aspirin bottle. And an aspirin bottle? Yes. The mists are beginning to clear away. Gosh. So that's why they said... Gosh. What are you talking about? Oh, never mind. Mr. Anderson. Yes, Dennis? Shall we face the east? Yes, Dennis. Weaverville, oh, Weaverville. Aren't you glad they took that pill? Weaverville, dear Weaverville. We love thee still. We always George Duning in the orchestra, here's Dennis to sing Bluebird of Happiness. Feel like I hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness Creep through 
everybody. Next week, tune in to another Dennis Day show brought to you by Palmolive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Listen again next week to Colgate's Hour of Fun, Judy Canova, followed by Dennis Day. And for another great comedy program, hear Blondie next Wednesday evening over your favorite NBC station. This month, your city's community chest is making its annual appeal for funds to meet the urgent needs of your community's vital health and welfare services. The community chest is many campaigns in one. Were it not for your community chest, as many as 35 separate appeals would have to be made. The need for health, welfare, and recreation services is greater than ever before, and operating costs have gone up. In addition, USO is being restored for our armed forces, and your community chest has been asked by Secretary of Defense James Forrestal to help raise funds for it. So, open your heart and your purse. When a community chest representative calls, give, and give generously. Vern Smith speaking. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nick Carter, Master Detective, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.